The text for the sermon this day is taken from, try to pull it up, John chapter 21, beginning at verse 20, where it writes, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved follow them, the one who had been reclining at table close to him and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things, and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are, many of, there are also many other things that Jesus did, were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. This is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So as I began the service, I mentioned that today is the third day of Christmas. And a long-standing tradition within the church is that following the days of Christmas, there are three feast days. The first one gets reflected in a very famous, fairly famous English carol. King Wasseslis looked out on the feast of Stephen when the snow fell round about. Anybody heard that song? You've at least heard the tune about 100,000 times. But Feast of Stephen was yesterday, or sometimes in Boxing Day. But it's Feast of Stephen, remembering the first martyr of the church. Then tomorrow is the commemoration of the Holy Innocents, remembering the children who were killed in Herod's attempt to get to Jesus. But in between, today, is the Feast of St. John, the Apostle. John is notable for the fact that he is the only Apostle to not die a martyr's death. John is also notable for being the youngest of the Apostles during the time of Jesus' ministry. So when Jesus was crucified... John probably would have been about the age of 15. This is why, if you've ever looked at da Vinci's painting of the Last Supper, there is an effeminate-looking person sitting right next to Jesus. Now, Dan Brown, who wrote the Da Vinci Code, said, oh, that's Mary Magdalene, which made every Renaissance paint historian cringe because Renaissance artists traditionally paint young men looking feminine. And that was the Apostle John. He was 15 years old. That's why he looks a little bit like a girl. That's the way they painted them in that time. So he was a young man during the ministry of Jesus. And he also has the distinction of being amongst the inner circle. Very, for example, when Jesus went up for the Mount of Transfiguration, there were only three apostles that went up with him. 
There was James, the brother of John, John, and Peter. And quite often you would see moments like that where there would be only three apostles allowed to accompany Jesus somewhere, James, John, and Peter. John is also noticed, notable for being the one who was present for the most of Jesus' mystery. He was there, he was one of the first apostles, but he was also there when Jesus was arrested, when he went through his trial. He would, would remember, if you, if you go back to your Good Friday, I know it was online this year, but you might recall that there were two apostles present for the trial of Jesus. Peter was there, and he denied Jesus three times, and eventually he fled. But John was also there the entire time. In fact, he did not hide that he was an apostle. Everybody knew who he was. And so, which was actually a sign that Peter did not have to deny the way he did. John was there to see Jesus carry the cross. He was there to see Simon of Cyrene help him carry it to Golgotha. The reason why we know that when Jesus was crucified, he said, it is finished, is because John heard those words. The reason we know that a spear was driven into the side of Jesus and all came blood and water is because John saw that. John was the one to whom Mary, the mother of Jesus, was entrusted. Because Joseph had probably been, had been dead for a while, and Jesus' brothers would be busy, so John was the one charged to care for Mary. He was also, when Jesus, after Jesus had been crucified, and by the way, the only reason we know that there were nails put into Jesus' hands and feet is also because of the Apostle John, which, by the way, he wrote the Gospel of John, if you're not catching on. But the, re the only reason we know that is because of John's writings. Not everyone who was crucified received nails. Some people were just tied to the cross. But we know that John was there on Easter morning. When they reported the tomb was empty, him along with Peter was the one, he ran with Peter all the way there. He was actually at the tomb first mainly because a 15-year-old tends to outrun a 40-year-old. So that's why he got there first. John was also there in the upper room when he appeared both times. But John has that significance of being the one who lived the longest. He lived probably up to almost 100 years old. He died of natural causes, so to speak. He was not crucified. He was not beheaded. And it would be so easy to think he had it easy. But did he really? Think of the, do you know who was the very first apostle to die on account of, the, of the Christ? It was John's brother, James. Imagine hearing the, that happen the first time. Then eventually hearing that apostle, 
these disciples who he walked in, walked with and learned from Jesus alongside them for those years, hearing them die one by one in excruciating fashion. The apostle Peter, his death was spoken of in John's gospel. Jesus told him exactly what was going to happen. So imagine John hearing when that was fulfilled. Peter being forced to watch his wife be crucified. And then he himself being crucified upside down. Hearing when Bartholomew was skinned alive before being crucified. Hearing about Thomas, who demanded to feel the, side, in, the wound in Jesus' side, and a spear driven into his own side at his execution. Friend after friend died, and he still keeps going. The legend that the Romans tried to kill John, though were unsuccessful. One of the famous, whether it's true or not, we don't know, but there's a legend that John was thrown into a cauldron of burning oil, and for him, it was just a hot bath. He did not die. And so they threw him onto the island of Patmos, where he wrote the book of Revelation. And that's where he lived out his dying days. So going back to this theme that it follows Christmas. Christmas Eve, it's such a peaceful evening. We gather in the, when the sun has gone down, the church is lit up, all the lights, which, by the way, the reason there's so much light is because John wrote that Jesus' Jesus's words, I am the light of the world. Jesus wrote that he, in him is a light that no darkness can overcome. Those were John's words. So, but you come in, it's peaceful. It's calm. You hear the music. You get to see people you haven't seen in a long time. But almost immediately... First day, St. Stephen, a martyr in will and deed. He is willing to die for the faith, and he did die for the faith. Tomorrow, tomorrow, the holy innocents. They were not willing to die for Christ, but they died nonetheless. Today, John, one who was willing to die for the faith, but did not. You hearing the common theme? There's a cost to follow that child. There's a cost to be his witness. See, John was the witness. He bared witness to what he heard, what he had seen. And he heard, heard and seen a lot. And he ended up being a key part in the early foundations of the church because he lived as long as he did. That's why it was really cross to bear. That's, that's, I know, kind of speculative, but many have argued, the early church argued the reason that John lived as long as he did was to help the church carry on the gospel. Because if the other ones died, at least there was one eyewitness still around to teach them, to coach them, so to speak. But John bore witness to this gospel. He bore witness that Jesus is the Christ. And the reason is, and this is, somehow this has become controversial among some churches in our, in our world, there are some churches 
that say that you don't have to believe in Jesus to be saved. You can believe in others. All religions lead to God, they say. Sadly, some of them bear the name of Lutheran. But the thing is, is, if you could be saved by any means, why were these people dying? Why didn't say, oh, you know what, you, you know what, you can just leave me alone. You want to believe what you want to believe, just believe what you want. No, they're willing to get, be beaten, to be tortured, to have their head chopped off, to be crucified, rather than deny that Jesus is the Christ, that he is one, even though he was crucified, had risen from the dead. Because the reality is they, you, me, everyone, was born dead, born in their sins, born an enemy and in rebellion to God. You were born destined for hell and condemnation. On your own, you could do no good. No matter how much you try to get, get right with God, every single one of your works are stinky with sin. All of your good works on your own account, they're usually done from some self-righteous reason. And the sin that we commit, and remember, it's not just in what you do, it's also in what you think. We stand condemned before our holy and righteous God. That's why the message, what he bore witness to, was so precious, so important that God so loved the world. And by the way, we always translate it as so, which is technically right, but we always read that as so much. That's not how John's using the word. He's saying this, God, for God thus, in this way, so in this way, loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What does it mean he sent his son? He sent his son in the fullness of time to be born of a woman, to be born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we may receive adoption as sons. In other words, he was sent for the sole purpose to be crucified, to, be di to die and to be buried, and to rise on the third day. That is why he was sent. And by his blood shed on the cross, those who believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He doesn't say all will, will not, no one will perish and all will have eternal life. He says those who believe in him. John would later say that I, these things are written, that you may believe that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, and by believing in him, you may have life. He wrote, that Jesus, he wrote the words of Jesus when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He wrote that in my Father's house are many rooms. Which means the suffering for confessing that gospel, it is minor compared to what our Lord has in store. They were willing to endure whatever the world would throw at them because they knew the reward was eternity. They knew that he, as Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. 
They knew they could trust in that. They knew that you could chop off their head. You could stone them to death. You could crucify them. You could do whatever you want them, and they will rise from the dead better and stronger than they were before. John was willing to endure all for the sake of that testimony. By the way, the word witness, the word martyr, literally means witness. They were martyrs. They were witnesses of the goodness of the God, God's grace. Witnesses of the gospel. Jesus Christ conquered sin, death, and the grave. And you know what? You are called to be the same witnesses. The gospel does not spread unless it is spoken. How are they to believe unless somebody preaches to them? How are they going to hear unless someone is sent? You exist on this earth for the purpose of proclaiming the gospel. You too are a witness. You too, time and time again, have received the goodness of God's grace. You too were born entrenched in your sin, born in rebellion to God, and you too, in the waters of baptism, received his righteousness, were cleansed, covered. You too have received the victory that comes by the death of Jesus. You too have tasted his victory, tasted his blessing in the Lord's Supper. You too have heard it in the proclamation of the word. And you too are called to be a witness. Those who are watching online, want to know a really good way? Click share. Click the share of the worship service. If, some, if you're ever watching on YouTube, click subscribe. The more people that subscribe to it, the more it starts spreading around the internet, around YouTube. That's a very simple way. But it's also in the conversations you have. Simply saying, hey, it's Sunday morning. Why don't you come to church with me? Or I'm going to church in the morning. Why don't you join me? And they might get frustrated. And you might ask them week after week, like, aren't you going to ever stop asking? You're like, I love you too much, so nope. I'm going to keep telling you. The cost, fortunately, you live in a country where the cost of proclaiming the gospel and being a witness is pretty small. People might reject you. You might have social, social rejection. But there are people in the world, like those in Nigeria, who while you were on Christmas Eve celebrating joyfully, they experienced a bombing in their church. There are people around the world that are literally dying for this gospel you have. There's a cost to following this child. But being witness to him, there's no more important task than proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who's conquered sin, death, and the grave, who is the resurrection and the life. May we, like John, as you come to New Year's this coming week, Friday, 2021, no promise, it could be better than 2020, it could be the same, it could be worse, I don't know. But the one thing that will remain true is that Christ is king and you are his witnesses. May that be your New Year's resolution. 
that he may open your eyes to where he has you to be his witness, that we may all join in the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ keep you in the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen.